Greetings. Welcome back to HM Live. And I again celebrate with you the wonderful week and weekend that you have just been blessed with. Once a month, uh, I come to you in a little different forum, just talking with you about leadership and trying to give some practical insight. And uh, there are several ways you can use this. Number one, you can uh, have people watch along with you, and uh, the notes are available for you to download, uh, student handout, as well as teacher's notes. You can just take the notes that have been developed and teach it yourself. Uh, this is about serving you. We want to help, and I recognize that for many of our pastors, uh, having the time to develop leadership resources and leadership material, leadership training material, is uh, very difficult. So uh, we, we want to make this available to you. Use it as you'd like to. Um, if, if you can take some excerpts and make it your own, uh, that's fine. It, it's, it's not about any of this. Well, there is revival in the land, and I'm glad that you and I get to be part of it. I'm going to spend a little bit of time uh, over the next uh, couple of leadership training sessions talking with you about some primary steps to developing influence. I, I want you to begin this way. Just take a piece of paper. If you're using uh, my notes there or if you have the student handout, that's fine. I want you to take a minute and write down the name of a couple of people who have been truly influential in your life. These are people who have helped shape you. They've helped mold you, uh, make you what you are. Okay, so a couple of names written down there. And, and I have men. I have people who have truly been impacting to me. Um, Crawford Kuhn is, is my uncle. He has been a blessing to my life as an influence on on uh, observing from him, being influenced by him about how to be effective in dealing uh, with people. Uh, I was raised uh, all 50 miles or so from GA and Vesta Mangan's church in Alexandria, Louisiana, and uh, they were a tremendous influence, not because we went to their church. Brother Mangan was our presbyter, and he just uh, stepped down from that role after 55 or 56 years of service. That's got to be some kind of record for being a presbyter. Uh, they influenced me with their focus on prayer and their focus on evangelism, and they were also very consistent. And then um, T.F. Tenney uh, in his uh, communication skills and his leadership and, and his care for and provision for people uh, in the Louisiana district and beyond um, th these were people who influenced me. So uh, the old saying, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, no, he didn't get there by himself, is relevant for you. It's relevant for me. Uh, we have all been influenced by people. Now, I, I want to go beyond that because I'm not just interested in us reviewing or reiterating um, and thinking through uh, the fact that you have been influenced, the objective of what we're trying to achieve is to talk about you becoming an influential person, you becoming truly a leader in other people's life. Who can you be? Who can I be a Crawford Coon for? Who can, uh, who can you be a Gerald Mangan for? Who could you perhaps be 
a TF Tenney in, in their life. Now, the second question I asked you to write down, first question was, was uh, who has been an influence? second question I want you to think about is this. Why has that particular person been an influence in your life? Why have they been an influence? And if you will, if you'll pay attention to that and think about it, uh, it often is the negative that kind of leaps out. And what leaps out at me in this particular discussion is this. It was not their position, and it was not their talent. It was not their personality or charisma. It was not any financial contribution that they made to me. It was not the fact that they were the life of some party. But there, there was something that they did that uh, injected them. They, they became part of my life. Leadership and being an influential uh, person in others' life is, is not based on talent. It is not based on education. It is not based on genius. This matter, and I want you to hear me, I can't say this strongly enough, this is of great importance because we influence people for God. We influence people in becoming committed disciples. We influence people by reaching out to them and seeing them born again. If you're going to be a leader, influence, and I'm not talking about influence peddling, I'm not talking about having the wrong motives, I'm not talking about manipulating people, I'm talking about developing godly influence in their life. Now, it's very clear to me that when I read the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, where there is a listing of different giftings, it's clear to me that there is a gift of leadership, that there are some people who God puts it into their personality, He puts it into uh, the way that they are born, that, that they uh, have this gift to lead. He that ruleth, let him do it with excellence, is what the book of Romans says regarding the gift of leadership. But I also observe that leadership or being influential is something more than a gift one is born with. Uh, and, and even if a person is born with a tremendous gift of leadership, that gift can be enhanced. It was President Dwight D. Eisenhower who made the observation that it would be unwise to assume that the qualities of leadership cannot be improved by teaching. God's Word is study to show thyself approved unto God a workman. Where does the workman work? He works among men. And it may well be that in ministry and in our churches we have given too little time to the consideration of how to gain influence with others. So over the next two sessions where that I train you regarding leadership, I'll be sharing seven things that are important to developing influence. Now, these seven things are open to debate. Uh, they're not definitive, and uh, I'm going to deal with only three of those in this particular session. Uh, we'll deal with the other four in the subsequent training session. The first key to developing influence 
is one that's almost out of our hands. And I'm not going to spend even a whole lot of time with it because it's totally dependent upon the sovereignty of God. And it's what I call and could be called the God factor. God lifts up who He will and He puts down who He will. And there are different people in different places simply as a result of, of a God thing. And that, that's all you can say. You, you look in the Scripture. Moses, 40 years on the backside of the desert. How does he become the leader of the people of Israel? It's a God thing. It's a God intervention. Gideon, out there working, uh, trying to winter the grain, hiding from the enemies. How does he become the leader? How does he become a judge of Israel? Again, it's a God thing. David, the youngest of Jesse's sons, the most unimpressive, perhaps, to Samuel. He becomes the king of Israel, the one that the book of Acts calls a man after God's own. How does it happen? It's a God thing. Simon Peter, a fisherman, impetuous. How does he become this first apostolic preacher? God thing. Now, that being said, that there is a God factor in, in influence. And we have to recognize the call of God. We have to recognize the anointing of God. We have to recognize the God factor. But even as we recognize the God factor, we also have to recognize that the God factor does not excuse or approve a poor effort in leading and influencing people. Samson was a poor leader because of character choices, because of decisions he made. Saul started down the right path, but when he became enlarged in his own sight, when he took on responsibilities that he really should not have taken on, uh, he, he becomes an ineffective leader. Moses goes to the mountain to visit God. Aaron, here he, he's in this role of leadership. He's in this role, of, he, but he, he's a poor leader. Simon Peter's behavior down in Galatia among the Gentiles when the Judaizers came to visit was a poor way to lead people. Uh, who was it that John talks about uh, having loved the preeminence? Hymenaeus, having loved the preeminence, and, and he rebukes him for his wrong attitude. All of these men had a God factor in their life. Samson had been decreed before his birth by God. Saul had been anointed. Aaron had been a spokesman. Simon Peter had preached the first gospel message. But all of them rendered themselves ineffective because of their dealings with people. Here's the thing. And, and think about what I'm going to say or what I have said before you just throw it away out of hand. A person can have a real God factor. They can be apostolic in their ministry. They can have a call of God on their life. There can be gifts operating through them. There can be an anointing but their impact be limited because they don't wisely conduct themselves as a leader. So, uh, I'm talking about the God factor. The God factor is a point of being an influential person. 
But at the same time I'm talking about the God factor, I am offering you the warning that a God factor does not excuse inappropriate, unacceptable, or carnal behavior. Never let I'm God's man or I'm God's woman be an excuse for rudeness or arrogance. There are things we can learn. We can learn from each other. There are learned behaviors. And as a Christian leader, I am not excused from following Christian principles of behavior. The Bible says, brethren, the Bible says that if I have something against my brother, my responsibility is to go to him. If I think my brother has a contention with me, my responsibility is to go to him. It's to not to go to somebody else, but it's to go to him. As a preacher, as a Christian leader, my being in the pulpit does not eliminate that component of Christian responsibility from my life. Christian leaders are not excused from basic principles of Christian living. I am to be forgiving. I am to be merciful. I am to do unto others as I would have them do unto me. Now let me give you some action steps for maybe God is an anointing on your life and there's a call there and, and, and the hand of God is there. He has put some things in you, maybe even born with a gift of leadership. Develop yourself as a leader. Uh, Oswald Sanders' book on uh, spiritual leadership deserves to be read. Uh, secondly, practical steps. Watch. I mean, pay attention closely to how effective leaders deal with people. Uh, effective leaders uh, shake hands, they hug necks, they... Uh, pastors, I'm sorry, but effective pastors that I observe, they, they're out there, uh, they're, they're connecting to people, they're, they're kissing the new baby that is at church for the first time, they're, they're investing themselves. You say, that's not me. Well, that's where learned behavior comes in. You can learn to do some of these things. Uh, it, it wouldn't hurt to read the old classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. There's... There's nothing in there that's contrary to the principles of, uh, of the Scripture. Think about things. Fourth action point. Think about them. Really think about them before you act. Remember uh, back to the last time you acted impulsively and maybe out of frustration or out of anger at uh, the moment. You, you can be called and you can be anointed and the hand of God be on your life, but you, you likely have said some things that you wish you could take back. Well, the, the way to not be in that position is to not have said those things. And we do that by thought. By thought. First thing, it's a God factor. But the God factor does not excuse poor relationship in dealing with people. The second is this. And, and I spent more time with the first one than I really intended to, but... Uh, the second factor in gaining influence is this, interest in other people, interest in other people. Uh, Paul's ministry was built on people. You go through the epistles and just think of the number of people he lists as having an impact. Paul was not an isolationist coming down from the mountain. 
somebody said he was not uh, a sage on a stage. He was a guide by the side. Paul invested himself in people. Uh, this goes to the concept of focus. It's not about self-agenda. Uh, my father uh, can start a conversation anywhere with anybody. There were times when we were on, on trips as kids and uh, dad would, uh, would still be in a store having a conversation with somebody long after we were in the car ready to go with the hot sun beating down. And uh, he just had this innate capacity to have a discussion. He was interested in people. Through the years, I've repeatedly had men tell me that my dad, who is not a preacher, is one of the key reasons that they're serving God today. Why? Because he is interested in people. It's opened the door for him to be involved in leadership within the local church. You see, leadership does not exist within a person. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm, or I'm standing here in front of this camera. But this is not a leadership relationship simply because I'm standing in front of the camera or simply because my name is on the door at an office at World Evangelism Center. Leadership and influence exists in a relationship between at least two people. And leaders are defined by the power that those who follow them give them. And that power to lead, that power to be my personal leader, I can choose to take it away. I can choose to follow some other course including rebellion, uh, including sin, including whatever else I choose to be. This business of being interested in other people, having an interest, you've got to go out of your way to connect. Not just showing up at church, just as it starts. Uh, being inaccessible. Not being in a place, uh, the prayer room. I was in Pentecostals of Alexandria a few weeks ago. 5.30 on Sunday night. You know where Anthony Mangan is at? He's in the prayer room. A couple of years ago I was with Johnny King up in, uh, up in Calgary. You know where Johnny King is at? 30 minutes before church starts, he's in the prayer room. He is there with people, uh, hanging around to talk to people after church. Uh, David Bernard has built a great church in Austin, Texas. I watched Brother Bernard as I was there uh, last summer at how he, at the end of the services, and even before service, is moving around among people, touching them and, and greeting them and welcoming them and saying hello to them and Good to see you, and God bless you, and how's your week going, and did the surgery go all right? Interest in people, interest in people, engaging that waiter in, in conversation, influence, connecting. If you want to influence, and I, I mean really influence others, uh, forget about your success. Forget about your education. Forget about your accomplishments. Forget about, change your interstation from WIIFM. And that's the station, what's in it for me. You see, in the context of, of leadership, people are really not very interested in you. 
not very interested in me. They're interested in themselves. They're interested in how does this impact my life, this, this, this world I'm living in. And you gain influence by being interested in them, talking about their world, entering into their life. Now, the matter of asking questions, of being interested in them, kind of segues into another step, the third step, last one we're going to deal with in this session about developing influence. Influential people do not give a lot of advice. They do ask a lot of questions. They ask lots of questions. James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak. Swift to hear, slow to speak to speak. There, there are several things that will ruin one's opportunity to have any influence. Uh, the first is a superior attitude where that you look down your nose at people. The second is a spirit of self-righteousness. The third is when you have a know-it-all attitude. Uh, the fourth is being unforgiving. The fifth is possessiveness. The sixth is bossiness. The seventh accompanying it is an authoritarian attitude. The eighth is lack of acceptance. The ninth is telling secrets. And the tenth is being eager to give advice. Ruins an opportunity to have an influence. Eagerness to give advice. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. How do you respond to uninvited advice? If your mother-in-law suggests a particular pattern, advises you a particular pattern of how you could do a certain thing better in dealing with your kids, how is that received? How do you receive that? Well, when somebody begins to give us advice, we may need it, but we don't want it. And so we immediately begin to erect defenses. Some, somebody said a pint of example is worth a gallon of advice, and I think there's a lot of truth there. A true friend, a true influencer, brings out the best in a person through exercising mercy and truth. But you get to the place of exercising mercy and truth by asking questions. Leaders, people of influence, listen more and they talk less. Ask questions. Ask questions that subtly challenge. I have a home missionary friend who told me several years ago, I'm going to have every person in our church, uh, he had obviously had a few folks who made bad financial decisions, he said, from now on, any time that they're making a purchase, whether it's going to cost them on a monthly basis more than what their monthly tithe is, I'm going to teach them that they should bring that decision to me to get advice on. Now listen, and I thought it was not a very good idea. We were working around taking care of a project and I asked him in a little bit, well, how many folks will be coming to you? And he was pastoring, oh, I don't know, 18 or 20 people. And he told me. And uh, in a bit I said, well, how many people will be coming to you for that kind of advice or that kind of 
direction, directive, when you have a hundred people. And he thought on it for a while. And he said, you know, I, I don't believe I'll teach that after all. What had happened? Well, I didn't tell him I thought it was a dumb idea. I did. I got him convinced just by asking a couple of questions that it was not a good thing to do. Let me just give you some practical wrap-up here. And um, it's this. Try it. See if people do not take note if you just ask questions, if you just take an interest in them. How's your day gone? Uh, have you been busy this morning? Begin to connect. Go to the restaurant, wherever uh, you're going to be doing some business, and, 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 and make it something where that you begin to, uh, to, to connect. Influential people have this about them. They ask questions. They engage other people. You can be influential. You can be a leader. We need leaders. There's never enough leaders. We need followers. Got to have them. But there's never enough leaders. There is a shortage of strong leadership in the body of Christ today. And we need you to be an influencer. We really need you to be an influencer. Now, I trust that this has helped you. If there are any questions you have, you can send them to me at uh, our website. I will be glad to do my best to respond to them at the opening of our next session um, or to respond to them personally. But uh, I, I believe that you can learn to be an effective leader. You can learn to grow beyond where you are as a leader. And I remind you again this week that the greatest things happening in North America are happening in home missions.